Well, very warm greetings to you, my friends. This is Pastor Brad Abley with the Heart After God Bible Teaching Ministry, a ministry that is designed to take you deeper into the Word of God. And last week I asked the question, do you know what people, even Christians, are far too impressed with? And that answer is numbers. And as you're going to see in today's message, the world is always impressed with large numbers, but God is impressed with obedience. Let me say that again. The world is impressed with large numbers, but God is impressed with obedience. God is not impressed by titles or accomplishments. He is only impressed by obedience. Now, Jesus was asked a question about numbers in the passage that we studied last week, but which we, we didn't have time to finish, and we're going to return to today. And the title of today's message is, Are Only a Few Being Saved? Question mark. Are only a few being saved? And this is part two of our series, our two-part series, from Luke chapter 13 and verses 20 through 30. Before we open up the word, of course, let's first pray. Father, thank you for every man, woman, young person, and child that is listening to this broadcast. Now, Holy Spirit, we all come together and we ask you together for your wisdom, for your understanding and Father, our prayer is that by the way we respond, we would bear great fruit for your namesake and for the glory of our Lord and Savior Jesus. But Holy Spirit, only you can accomplish that. And so as I always pray, would you open our eyes and our ears and our hearts to receive all that you have for us in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Are only a few being saved? Luke chapter 13, beginning in verse 22. And he, Jesus, was passing through from one city and village to another, teaching and proceeding on his way to Jerusalem. That is Luke's way of saying he is heading to, he is heading to Jerusalem to be crucified. For the sin of the world. He was on his way to Jerusalem. Verse 23, And someone said to him, Lord, are there just a few who are being saved? And he said to them, not just to the man that was asking him the question, but he said to his disciples, the response was to his disciples, to the scribes and Pharisees and the crowds. And what does he say? Strive. And this word is a present active imperative. That means it's in the present tense. Strive as a lifestyle and in the imperative mood means it is a command. This is no light response from Jesus. It's no suggestion. It is something that involves uh, one's entire being, 
and it is a subject that has the most importance, the greatest importance for any human being that is on the planet. Strive. Now that word strive is where we get our word agonize from. It involves intense effort and focus. Strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, listen to that, my friends, many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. Once the head, verse 25, of the house gets up and shuts the door and you begin to stand outside and knock on the door saying, Lord, open up to us. Then he will answer and say to you, I do not know where you are from. Verse 26, and then you will begin to say, mark it down, this is going to happen. Then you will begin to say, but we ate and drank in your presence and you taught in our streets. And he will say, I tell you, I do not know where you are from. Depart from me, all you evildoers. Verse 28, in that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves being thrown out. Who is he speaking to? He is speaking to Jewish men and women. But listen, my friends, this is going to apply across the board. There are going to be many church members who are going to be standing outside. But Lord, I went to church. I was baptized. I gave money. I served in this ministry. I served in that ministry. But unless you are born again, and unless you abide in the Lord Jesus Christ, you cannot be saved. And so he says in verse 29, and they will come from east and west and north and south and will recline at the table in the kingdom of God. This would have shocked the Jewish listeners because Jesus is speaking about the Gentiles. And then a message for the whole world and especially the church and even more so Christian leaders. Watch this and listen to this and mark it down carefully. And behold, that means to pay attention. Some are last who will be first. And some are first who will be last. You see, there are many, many people who want the spotlight. They want the attention. They want the adulation. They want uh, the money. They want the fame. And those people's hearts are not right with God. And they're first in this world, but they will be last in the kingdom of heaven. Mark it down. Mark it down, my friend. Because it's going to happen. Now, in addition to the passage that we just read, I think we would do well to consider other important similar verses. And so... If you hold your place with me in Luke, and if you have a Bible, please turn to Matthew chapter 7, and I want to read verses 13 and 14. And 
what Jesus said here is very similar. In fact, Jesus, most of his teaching, much of his teaching would have been done on more than one occasion in different locations. And then in this particular case, Matthew tells us in, in Matthew 7, verse 13, this is part of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. He said, enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life. And there are few who find it. That, in part, is the answer to this man's question. Are there just a few who are being saved? Now, it's remarkable, it's astonishing that Jesus had preached to hundreds of thousands of people. And who knows, but only he does that how many people were healed from him, how many people were delivered from demons, the people who were raised from the dead, the blind that saw, the people who heard truth that they had never heard from anyone else like him. And they were all clapping for him, and they were all interested in listening to what he had to say, and they certainly loved the feeding of the multiplied thousands. But they were not willing to surrender their sin and follow after him. If you hold with your, your place again with me in, in Luke 12 and turn with me to Matthew 24. Matthew 24 and uh, let's begin in verse 9. Matthew 24 and verse 9. Then they will deliver you to tribulation. He's speaking to his disciples only at this point. And will kill you and you will be hated by all nations because of my name. You think Jesus is interested in trying to impress crowds? And at that time, many will fall away and will betray one another and hate one another. This is the word of the Lord. This is what is going to happen. Many, verse 11, Matthew 24, many false prophets will arise and will mislead many. Verse 12, because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. Do you see what he's saying here? He says, um, A, you will be hated by all nations, and then many will fall away, and many false prophets will arise, and will mislead many. That's three times he's used the word many. And then in verse 12, because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. That's, we could, that would, um, literally in Greek, it's, it reads the love of many. So four times he's used the word many. Now that's numbers, all right, but it's not the kind of numbers that, that 
we should be glad about. But the one, look at the contrast between the many and the one. He says in verse 13, but the one who endures to the end, he will be saved. What is Jesus most impressed about here? It's the one who hears him and obeys, not the many. And this gospel, verse 14, this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a witness or testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. Where are you at, my friends? What category are you in? Are you in the category of the many? Or are you in the category of the one? Paul had to rebuke and warn believers in the church of, of Corinth. And they were believers. He, he called them saints. Notice with me in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And then we're going to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 13, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, and um, who does Paul address? He's addressing, he's addressing the church, believers. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God, which is at Corinth with all the saints who are throughout Achaia. But many of them were not right with God. And so he urges them in 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5, Test yourselves to see if you are in the faith. Examine yourselves, Paul says. Or do you not recognize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail the test? But I trust that you will realize that we ourselves do not fail the test. That is a serious warning from the Apostle Paul to the church in Philippi, which wasn't like the church in Corinth. It was an obedient church. It was a godly church. Nevertheless, he says to them in Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13, So then, my beloved... Just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. This is an intense word. Work out and continue to work out. It's a command in the Greek. Work out your salvation with fear the fear of the Lord, and trembling. Why? For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. That's the fear of the Lord and trembling. Isaiah 66 verse 2 says, But to this one will I look, to him who is humble and contrite of spirit, and who trembles at my word. Do you tremble at the word of God? Are you practicing the fear of God. And part of, of that practice, my friend, is to, is to live, to take advantage of the gift of repentance on a daily basis. I mean, it's unimaginable to me how any Christian 
could get through a day or many days without confessing sin of some sort. And why would we not do that? When Jesus, in the Lord's pattern of prayer, which is a daily pattern because he says, give, he calls us to give us this day to pray, give us this day our daily bread. What does he say? Also in the next section, forgive us our debts as we forgive those, uh, forgive our debtors. Uh, there's not many days that I'm not repenting of something. Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 1, this is 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 10, Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent, this is a command, to make certain about his calling and choosing you. For as you practice these things, what are the things he's talking about? What he just wrote in verses 1 through 9. And as you practice these things, you will never stumble. For in this way, the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, it's his kingdom, along with that of the Father, will be abundantly supplied to you. You see, my friends, that is the fear of God. That is working on our salvation with fear and with trembling. Are you living that way? One commentator says, asked concerning how few are being saved, he, Jesus, remarks instead on how many will not be saved. That's the focus. He who endures to the end will be saved. How are you doing in your walk with the Lord? And remember that the apostles went to the churches that they planted and said, this is how they taught them as new believers. Through many tribulations, we must inherit the kingdom of God. Leon Morris writes, there is significance in the future will seek which contrasts with the present, strive. He's going back, he's commenting on Luke 13, our main text. Those who strive now enter, he says. Neither here nor elsewhere, he adds, is there any indication that genuine seekers find themselves excluded from the kingdom. But there is inevitably a time limit on the offer of salvation. When the door of opportunity is finally shut, it will be too late. People must strive to enter now. You cannot put it off, my friend. You cannot say, I'll do that later. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the appointed time, is what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Many young people make the gravest mistake of thinking, when I'm older, then I will respond to the gospel offer. But my friend, frankly, this is nothing but a demonic deception to keep you out of the kingdom. Jesus is teaching that there is a sense of urgency 
to get right with him now, now, not tomorrow. Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Where do you stand, my friend? Have you surrendered your life to Jesus Christ? I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that in just a moment. So stay tuned to this broadcast. Because now I want to turn the focus to those that Jesus is trying to reach, the unsaved. To say, I'll think about eternal life another day gradually turns from that to a year and then another year. And all that time, the heart is growing colder to Jesus. You know, most people think they have enough time to get right with God. And most people never think their lives will come to a sudden end. Jesus addressed that in this very chapter, in Luke chapter 13. When tragedies struck people and they had no idea was coming. And all this might explain the reason for the man's question of Jesus. Are there just a few who are being saved? And the reason is that responding to the offer of salvation, my friends, is a costly one. It demands that we completely deny ourselves, pick up our cross daily, and follow after Jesus. We don't, in the Christian life, we don't get what we want. It's not all about us. It's about Jesus. The Christian life is no joke. It isn't easy. We must die to ourselves and live for Jesus alone. We must deny ourselves and live for him alone. But that is where we truly live. That's when we truly live. That's when we truly find what life is all about. That's when we are truly happy. That's when we are truly joyful. It's never when, when we are seeking to get our own way. That's why the world is so miserable. Because we are not wired, we are not created to live selfishly. And the fact that the world is a selfish place is evident that the world is perishing. Many say there are many paths to God. Jesus says there's only one path to eternal life. Complete surrender to him and to his ways. He is the one that said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Why is that? Because no one else has ever lived a sinless life. No one else has been crucified for the salvation of the world. No one else has been raised from the dead to give his life to anyone and everyone who will surrender their life to him. People hear the truth. If they refuse it, they will suffer the consequences of their own decision. John MacArthur, in his commentary on 
This passage declares clearly hell will be populated not only by religious rejectors of God, but also by those who were outwardly religious and maybe even reverently spoke of him. But where do you stand, my friend? Where are you today when it comes to having eternal life through Jesus Christ? Would you like to receive him now as your Lord and Savior? I've appealed to you. I've warned you. Don't put it off. You may never have another opportunity quite like what you have right now. And if you will sincerely give your life to Jesus, you will never be the same. But in some ways, your life might get harder right away. But pray with me now these words. Pray with me. Lord Jesus Christ, pray with me. Lord Jesus Christ, I surrender my life to you. Lord Jesus, I am a sinner in need of you, the Savior. Come and forgive me of my sin. Make me a brand new person. And I will live for you. And I will serve you all the days of my life. Thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me of my sin. Thank you, Jesus, for cleansing me. Thank you, Jesus, for giving me eternal life. And thank you, Jesus, for being my Lord and my Savior. Now, friend, if you prayed that prayer with me, let me pray for you. Father, protect all those that prayed this prayer with me now from evildoers and from all the powers of darkness in the name of Jesus. My friend, if you prayed that prayer, let someone know right away. It will solidify the decision that you made. You can even go on to my website, bradably.com. Hit the connect button and let me know that you prayed with me. You don't have to give me your full name. Just give me what your first name if that's all you want to do. And just say, I prayed to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And now I want to turn my attention to those who are listening, who have needs. <clears throat> Father, would you meet the needs of people listening to this broadcast according to your riches in glory by Christ Jesus? Father, there are people that are in highly complicated situations and they don't know the way out. And only you do. And Father, I'm asking, many of us are asking, that you would bring a breakthrough for them, that you would grant them wisdom, that you would grant them a ray of hope, that you would grant them a way out of their situation for many of them and for other people, enable them to persevere depending upon you. There are people, I just sense there are people in many highly complicated situations, but the Lord wants to to give you his wisdom and a breakthrough. And Father, I pray that you would do that abundantly for them and let them rejoice in your providential ways in their lives in the name of Jesus. Now, there are many others that are crying out to you for answers to prayer. And Father, I'm asking that you would meet their needs according to your riches in glory 
by Christ Jesus. I'm asking that you would do miracles of financial provision. Even now, miracles of physical healing. Even now, answers to many prayers that people have been praying for. Even now, those uh, parents and grandparents that are crying out for their children and grandchildren, Father, ruin those children and grandchildren for the things of this world and ignite their hearts to be on fire for you and bring them into the center of your will. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Until next time, may the Lord keep you in the palm of his hand.